welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. All right, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. You are with Michelle and one of my favorite people. Her name is Katie Hughes, and she is, well, has her hand in a lot of things. So we're going to talk about all of the things. So welcome, Katie. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Michelle. This is so fun for me. <laughs> so Katie, you ha- you have a few businesses right? And you're also involved in Multiply Goodness. So tell us about your businesses really quick and what they are and also your, um, what you do at Multiply Goodness. I love that. Um, okay. Well, I have two businesses right now. Um, Lucky Love, which is just kind of a, a modern lounge dress company and kind of um, home comfort items is what we sell. It's just really code for a lot of selling a lot of things that we want to sell. Um, and then, um, and then, uh, we have a company we bought, um, a few years ago. And I say we, I, I'm in business with my sister, Ginny. We've been doing it about 10 years and, um, we have a business we bought, um, called flip bird. It's a funny name, um, but it's for reversible, um, bags, handbags. We've got about six styles, um, that are really fun. Um, really the business that started it all is vintage rose wraps and, we were in business um, with that business about eight years. Um, we started making headbands and friends wanted them and um, just recognized that there was really something to these things. And we did something really crazy and we took them to market in Atlanta and Dallas and New York and California. And from there, we just um, grew our business really to uh, mostly wholesale to sell in stores and um, just had a lot of fun success. And that was just an amazing thing. Just as much as it takes for a company to, um, you know, kind of build up, it takes for it to die. This was a really trendy product. Um, and Michelle, you were, you were involved I know. in this. It's how we met is vintage rose wraps is how we met a long time ago. That's right. And <laughs> I, think I, of what kid I was on. <laughs> I know I can't remember either, but I remember we were really, we were doing a, yeah, was it when you lived in Arizona and we were doing a video shoot, uh, for really all of our stores and um, it was so fun because we um, kind of reached out to several photo- photographers and um, were able to kind of create um, both photo shoots and video video shoots off of these shoots. So if I remember, you did a big sleepover slumber party um, yeah, shoot with all right. these girls and with all their headbands and pajamas. It was really cute. Anyway, um, yeah, so... So that was so fun. I'm glad we met during that time and we've stayed connected ever since. I, it's so fun to be able to kind of recognize who, who you meet along the way and, and how your, your paths cross again down the road, you know? So anyway, um, this business was really a great thing. And, um, so we just decided to kind of retire it at the end. Um, just, it was just, um, a lot and, I, at the time, was moving from Arizona. We lived there 13 years and was moving to Utah. 
And we really had to come to this moment together, my sister and I, where I, we just said, you know, you know, do we want to keep doing this? We've got three businesses we're managing and, and, um, and it was kind of the right time to just be like, you know, we're done with this. So we kind of sent out this one last, um, Hey, thank you so much for all the business. And, um, we, we got hundreds of orders and that was just really fun, like a great send off for our headbands. And we promised we'd reserve about a thousand to send to, um, the LDS humanitarian, um, services. And we'd been in contact with someone and, um, he said, you know, we don't usually, um, take accessories for people, but I love your story. And I think there's some women in Zimbabwe that would really love your headbands. And, um, so that was just so fun to package them into a box and kind of have that be the end of our story. So um, it has just been a thrilling experience um, to be in business. And it, that's kind of the business I didn't know I wanted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned a lot during that time. And um, just to be um, managing a family, growing a family still during that time and being like official businesswomen as well, heading to market and working with so many stores and some big stores as well. And, so um, just so much experience, invaluable experience with all of that. And um, yeah, so and then now um, after my move, um, I've been in, uh, involved with Multiply Goodness um, for the last maybe four years or so, um, but really have not been able to get really hands-on because of my distance with Arizona and Utah. So when I came back here, um, I, I was invited and jumped on board to really be establish this and kind of move in the direction we wanted to uh, for Multiply Goodness. And so it's been a, a thrilling experience. And I work hand in hand with Emily Freeman and Nish Wyseth, and we lead a team of about 15. Um, trying to do okay. good, try to, try to multiply <laughs> good out in the world. So, yeah, I actually think that's the theme of your life, actually, is just oh. multiply goodness. You are really one of the best. Um, I remember meeting you and I think, was it at your house that I came and did the photo shoot? It wasn't my house. It was my friend's house, Jody, but um, yeah. it was her house. But I do remember meeting you too and feeling <laughs> a connection. Yeah, it was just like, I was like, we are supposed to meet, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so yes. we kind of, so it's been so fun. So I want to go back to um, when you started Vintage Rose, Vintage Rose Wrapped, your first company. And I know mm -hmm. you said that you kind of started making them and then people started buying them. So when did you know that this was a thing? Like this, <laughs> this is going to be something oh, that you can yeah. make into a business. Right. Um, well, okay. So really we just kind of started to sell them to friends and friends were like, Oh, I really want one this way. And we were hand sewing these, these, um, all ourselves. And, and I ended up signing up for, in fact, it was like 2008. And I remember, um, my husband came home and that's was really at the economic, you know, downturn for many people. It was a struggling year. Um, a lot of people were trying to figure out, you know, Christmas bonuses or things like that, or even just getting, you know, a lot of their pay was just getting, um, you know, cut in some way. And I remember my husband saying, you know, okay, look, you know, we've got to get focused here. This is what's happening in my company. And how do you think it would be if you kind of provided for Christmas this year? And, um, and he's a smart guy because he knows I, I kind of have a passion for, 
throwing things out there. Like when we were first married, I, um, I did a business called Artichoke Inc. And it was hand lettering with heart. And I would um, just to kind of to start like my first few years of marriage and having children, I would hand address wedding, wedding invitations for brides. And I remember thinking, this is so amazing. Um, I am throwing myself out there and these people are actually relying on me for their most special day. And I would have, you know, four or five, you know, uh, weddings backed up. You know, I remember having in my little apartment closet, like, you know, they'd just be up there and I needed, <laughs> needed to be so careful with them because these envelopes were beautiful and printed masterfully. And I just thought, I've just got to do my best. So he knew uh, just from the get go, I just love, um, you know, taking what you have, you know, recognizing what you have, what God given gifts you have, and then just go for it, you know, just throw it out there and see what, you know, God can help you do. And, and so I think in the same sort of circumstance, he was saying, let's see what you can do. And I knew I could market, you know, something. And, um, and it just kind of started from there. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for a boutique and the boutique that, and I mean a holiday show when I say boutique, um, so there was a, a holiday show in this big, awesome Christian church, Cornerstone Christian Church in Chandler, Arizona. And I remember I missed, like, I didn't miss the deadline. I just, it, it had passed already by the time I decided I wanted to do this. And I had a vendor friend, a friend that was actually a friend of a friend. And she said, I have three tables there. I would love to give you a fourth of my third table. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is my big fat chance, you know? And, um, and so I just said, okay, I can build this like kind of more of a vertical display and I can use that table. It was really more like a half of a table, a half of a buffet table. So four feet is what I should say. So, um, and I just sewed away and I um, just did the best that I could to provide what I could for this boutique and gear up as best as I could. I had these great photos I had had taken. In fact, someone had seen my, um, my little um, headbands on someone at Swiss days and she'd contacted me and said, Hey, I'd love, I'd love to take some pictures with like the neighbor kids um, with some of your headbands. And I'm like, Oh, that would be awesome. And I'll trade you. I'll give, I'll trade you some headbands for some pictures. And this kind of started like my first professional picture experience. And I was so grateful because then I could display those at this boutique. And I remember I had these little galvanized bins with the color coordination. You know, I had like black and brown and neutrals and I had reds and pinks together. And it just wasn't much that I could do, but I kind of like, you know, layered them in these little platforms. And I sold out the very first night like it was just oh, an evening goodness. thing <laughs> from like six to nine I think I remember making like 185 or something and I remember thinking oh I'm not gonna sell out like but I sold out and um and I remember coming home and my husband was so excited and my daughter Ruby was too she was like eight at the time and we stayed up all through the night making more and um and what was so crazy is in the morning when I got there, like I was kind of, it was a late night, obviously I was kind of running a little late. I wasn't there to sell anything because there was nothing to be 
sold. And I remember coming and there was a line of people waiting for my headband. So we just decided that, um, gosh, there's something to these. And I called my sister. And um, by this time, I'd maybe sewn about a thousand myself. And she was selling some in Utah at the time and had sold. um, So probably about 800 or so and had the same type of experience. And we just thought, you know, let's see what we can do. And we were recognizing, um, you know, we actually can't sew all these and do all this ourselves. We had four kids each and um, really kind of the gamut of life. We were just really in the throes of motherhood. And so we um, had made contact with a friend and um, she gave us a, a really great lead on a resource of someone who could sew locally, which was um, in Provo. And um, we approached this sewing team. And from there, we were able to, to sew, um, start sewing hundreds and hundreds. But, you know, it, it was a little tricky because it was kind of an artistic um, side to things and of how to sew this rose on and these leaves and all of this. And so we really had to work with them. And, um, and by the time we were done, we were probably through about 300 or so where we weren't pleased with them. But after a while, we, they kind of got in their groove and, and they, they sewed those for probably about, gosh, you know, like, yeah, eight years. Um, just sewing them so beautifully, even better than we ever did. And so um, that's kind of how we were able to grow. Um, at our busiest time, we were, we were sewing about 2,000 a week, 2,000 of these headbands a week. Oh, my goodness. Shipping them out. <laughs> I know. It was nuts. It was just a crazy experience all around. So, well, that really gets you. I mean, you just had to, you had to learn everything very fast, <laughs> how we to did. outsource, how to ship, <laughs> mm-hmm. how to market. And you had a lot of your, um, a lot of the rose wraps were on celebrities and they were in magazines, right? Yes. That was so fun. Like, um, this was probably one of the most sweetest moments. I remember Someone had contacted us, um, I think through Facebook. And this is when Facebook, I feel like, was really the only thing. We didn't have Instagram, you know. And Facebook was really that connection to the outside world. People would message you. And you were really working to build your Facebook page. And um, anyway, we had someone to say, I just opened up my People magazine. And there is Pink wearing your headband. And I just thought, no way. And I remember running to the (laughs) store and thinking, pink of all places like I would never have wanted pink to wear my headband (laughs) but then it showed the versatility of this of this product and how even even it could appeal to someone like pink and um the neat story behind that is that we never ever sent these out to celebrities I mean if we could ever get in on something we would because that's just what you do as a business person you know but that costs thousands of dollars to try to get in the right hands um you know and we didn't pay a thing and I remember us finding out which store in Tennessee had sold headbands to pink and they were really sweet they said we have a lot of celebrities come through our door um, and it must be just where they were specifically in Tennessee and they just said we don't want to be the ones that you know to be known for that we just like to keep it quiet and kind of honor our honor the celebrities that come in and quietly and buy these things. But it was just impactful because it realized that we realized that within this time we had gotten out there 
we'd gotten out, you know, to, um, to the store in Tennessee where Pink walked in, you know, and fell in love with it and bought it herself. And um, the fun part is like, uh, like that was like Easter weekend. And then Mother's Day weekend, she shows up like in Us Weekly, US Weekly. And, um, and it was like also wearing a headband. And so we're like, Pink is like doing us great things. Anyways, it was really <laughs> just a fun experience. Um, some of our products ended up on, um, let's see, another headband ended up on a Disney so I'm trying to remember what it is at the time, but um, it was a Disney, a Disney sitcom type show. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had um, ABC Family, like the Mistletones had our earrings, um, you know. And so there were some fun things happening, like the gymnast. Um, well, I cannot remember her name, but she um, she also showed up in, in her Instagram um, with that. And then on the Amazing Race, um, one of the the um, you know, contestants or participants yeah. had a, had a headband on the whole time. And, um, it was just really, it was just fun. You can't pay for these things. And we no, that's, kept on that's saying, amazing. how do two LDS moms, you know, actually have this type of experience? It was just unbelievable and <laughs> so thrilling. And, and I do remember times at market, we would go to market like twice a year. And there was a time when Jeannie and I both wanted to have, um, a, a fifth baby and, Fun. The funny thing is, our our kids kind of stacked up, so they really were the same ages. And we both decided like it's time to have another baby, and we didn't really we couldn't have planned it the way that it worked out for both of us. And um, anyway, so I remember going to market, and I had a baby in October, and Ginny had had her fifth baby in December, and we went to market in January. And here are these two moms, and we bring our babies we because we're nursing moms and, <laughs> and we bring uh our nannies which were really my best friends in Arizona who came and saw a market and just brought us our babies and they needed to be you know fed and everything but just that we were able to you know manage motherhood and also still grow this business was just that sort of pinch me experience I will always look back back with such fondness you know for having done that. So we're kind of done now going to market. It's, we have kids in college, high school, junior high and elementary. We don't have that preschool stage, but it is like, yeah. So it was just kind of an emotional time. It's an emotional time for families um, and for us to kind of be, you know, mothering them. And, and so we made this kind of conscious decision to not go to um, market anymore, um, just to kind of be really present for our families. And, um, and it's, and it works out well for us because we've been able to kind of do these other retail shows with, um, these other two lines, Lucky Love and Flipped Bird. And we have a lot of fun. We really only focus on the shows that, um, that are worthwhile after, after you've done this, you just don't want to spend any time somewhere that isn't going to, you know, give a good return, you know, just because time away from family and husbands and, um, church life and all of that really adds up. And, and so we've made this, you know, sort of cons- conscious decision to, to not do that anymore. And we, we kind of like this pace and this speed for this time of our lives. Yeah. What you've done is pretty amazing with how you've um, been able to adapt your businesses as your family changes and grows and your needs are different. Um, right. So I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's kind of why I, it's not kind of, it is why I love, um, 
starting your own business and being a part of that because you're in charge. So if you're, if you feel the pull to kind of pull back and, you know, do Mm -hmm. something else, then you can definitely do that. How did you do the mothering thing when you're, when you're growing a business and growing young kids? Mm -hmm. um, Do you think that was kind of an easier time to grow business? um, Mm. Or then, you know, now, because now that's what I'm realizing. I have a 12 year old, that's my oldest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is a different time a different type of intense that I need to be mm-hmm. for <laughs> Totally. Yes. So, okay. I just, I do think that, first of all, I don't think there's like such thing as balance. Like I want to say that there is, but mm-hmm. um, something's always going to give. And that's the reality. Like if I'm giving something to my business, the reality is something else is, is got to give, you know, and I can't fully be there in other ways, um, in other aspects of my life. And so just the realization for that to me was impactful and powerful for me. Like I, I needed to not set out this, everything's going to be perfect and happy. I need, needed to recognize that there was going to be give and take, and that that was going to require my husband, my family, and even my business partner at times um, that not everyone was going to be made, you know, that not everyone's needs were going to be met 100% all the time. It's just impossible. There's only so much time in the day and there's only one me. And so this, as soon as I kind of recognized that and adopted that, it allowed for grace to come into my life. Just like, I can't do it all, but I'm just going to do what I can, where I can. And then the Lord can help where I, where I lack, you know, and, um, And I remember feeling um, just peace knowing that. And I also remember having conversations with my business partner, my sister, and saying, is this how you feel? And yes, this is how she feels. And we decided collectively that we would just always family. Like family always comes first no matter what. And if we had to put things aside, we would. We would put it aside for that time being, and we would find another time when we could both fully be focused, you know, and And um, I also remember give and take times with my husband where he would be like, you know, yeah, you need to go and do this right now. And then this is the time when we can connect and, and get clear on what our plans are for our family or stuff like that. And then I also remember times sitting with my children and basically telling them, and this was a little hard because man, I never wanted to be anything but a stay at home mom. But I remember saying to them, mom has a job mom has a job and a lot of moms have jobs and it's okay. It's okay. And this is helping us and this is blessing us. And here's how we're going to do it. And we actually had like a family council conversation. I mean, really several through the years as we talked about how we were going to navigate this time away. Um, you know, me, me having to leave here and there and um, them needing to step up at home, helping each other, that type of thing. Um, but I always really love, um, like our, you know, our, our, um, business was the vintage rose wraps. And for a time we started a blog called the vintage mother and it was she, Ginny and I, and we, we love that ideal of, you know, happiness at home about mother teaching, you know, about, um, you know, all of that, like cooking, all of that. And we just decided we, we actually couldn't do this blog and be good business owners. So we just thought, why are we adding one more thing? But during this time, we felt a sweet um, connection still with being able to be moms and managing what we could while in the throes of business life too. 
And I actually did have kind of a, a life-changing experience for me. Do you want me to share that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So my daughter, Millie, she is 10. She was just three. So this was about seven years ago. Um, it was my daughter, my daughter Ruby's 12th birthday. And we were at a friend's house. And because um, we didn't have a pool in Arizona at the time. And I asked my friend if we could come over to her house and use her little, um, you know, her pool and her really fun, like, hula hut looking thing for this party for my 12th, for my daughter's 12th birthday. Um, so we had, you know, everything planned out. I love planning parties. I love making these memories for my kids and had gone all out to make sure she knew and felt. My, I think my love language really is the expression of love through details. I don't know why, mm-hmm. um, I'm, but I really love um, the thoughtfulness that goes into things and the care and, um, and then the action of, of creating something to show something. So um, anyway, so I'd done all this and I was so excited and I was and, and the, the uh, party had started and, um, and I was kind of in the craft area and I, the next thing I hear is that mom, Millie can't breathe. And it was a frantic Millie can't breathe. And I just thought to myself, Oh my word. I was preoccupied with this and I ran over to the pool and my daughter, Betsy at the time who was nine had rescued Millie from drowning. And, um, and you know, it, it, I, it was just the most surreal experience. Like I, um, I can now talk about it freely, but within this time, Betsy was kind of, or Millie was stuck. Um, the, the one that had drowned, she was just kind of stuck. And the best way to say that is that she couldn't breathe in. She couldn't take a breath of air in like a, she couldn't do that. And she couldn't also breathe out. And so what she was doing, and I don't know how this will come across on the podcast, but it was just like, uh, like I oh, can't yeah. do anything like her, her, lungs were filled with water. And, oh um, and I remember thinking, and everyone was crowded around. And I remember walking through my mind and thinking, Oh, did she not have her floaties on? And all the people that were there, my husband was there. Our friends were there. He was an ER doc who we were there um, at their home. And I just thought, how did this happen? you know, we had this all figured out and I was just doing this and how did this happen? And at the same time, my daughter's stuck. And, um, and I remember thinking, well, someone's got to do something and no one did anything. And I just thought someone surely is better equipped. You know, we're at a doctor's house and he knows what to do. And my friend knows what to do. And my husband will know what to do. And no one did anything. And mother instinct just kicked in and I just picked her up and I flew her over my shoulder and I remember a whole slew of water just like coming over my back and it had kind of emptied her lungs and I did it again and all this water had come back you know again over my shoulder and she just wanted to fall asleep at the time I remember taking her inside and um this was a really crazy experience and I remember my husband, we were talking to my friend at the time who was the doctor and he said, you know, you've got to take her to the hospital because there's such a thing as, um, you know, dry drowning. And sometimes the lungs Mm. start to fill up because they think that they're supposed to, because they've done that in the womb. Right. And so he says, you've got to go Mm. get her checked out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, we're going, we're going right now. 
And Bill said to me, and my husband is so tender and so special and so sweet. And he said to me, no, you stay here. And I remember thinking, uh uh-uh, like I am not staying here. And he just calmly (sighs) said to me, there is nothing you can do right now that I can't do. And you need to go and finish this party for Ruby and all these girls who just watched that whole thing. And I knew he was right in my mind. And that was a hard decision to make, but I knew I would just quickly go there as soon as I could afterwards. And um, she was saved. I mean, she was fine. Um, But he, and he took her there. And of course I just tried to finish this party up as fast as I could and try not to make it this memory of Ruby, you know, the, the, the party, her little sister almost drowned at and all of that. And, and um, I remember driving to the hospital as fast as I could after the party was over and calling my mom. And I just said, mom, you will not believe what has happened and just tender and experienced talking to her. And um, this was before my, my mom had cancer. And so it, um, it was just kind of a sweet, tender connection with her. And she just said, and, and all I'm thinking about is the time when I pulled you from the bottom of a pool up at age three and when you nearly drowned and I was remembering that I had had this experience I didn't remember this experience but I remember being told that my own mom had rescued me from the bottom of a pool and so I got to the hospital and um within this time um they were just in a room and Bill had shared how when he got to the hospital um a family friend was there at the hospital and he was an EMT and just happened to feel like he should kind of just go through the rooms, which he does. He kind of goes down the hall when he's there at the hospital and he just kind of peeks in the rooms. And he felt kind of guided, to be honest, to, to look in our room. And Bill just said, oh, can you give a blessing to Millie? Uh, and um, it was just the sweetest. It was just like clockwork. It's just as if he had come at the perfect time and just this young gentleman, really uh, the son-in-law of our family, of our friends that were in our ward. And we didn't know him that well, but a sweet connection now since he, he followed that prompting. And it was so sweet to have him be able to give a blessing to Millie. And of course um, I was there with Millie and she was doing beautifully and they were watching her oxygen levels and everything. And um, again, I just said to Bill, well, I'm staying here. And you can go home and you be with the kids if you could. And they're at the Jorgensen's and, and you can go pick them up. And he said, no. And I remember thinking, uh-uh, there is no way I'm <laughs> going to go home and leave you here with Millie because I already did that once. And he said, no, and this is why. Tomorrow is Mother's Day. Oh. And he said, and your kids do not want to wake up without a mom on Mother's Day. So you go home. Sorry, I'm tender thinking about this. You go home and you be there for Mother's Day. And, oh, it's tender. And I remember picking them up and gathering my kids in, the four that, or the three that were there, and kneeling in prayer together as a family that night. So grateful that the Lord had spared Millie. And um, we woke up and um, sort of with a resolve, knowing she'd be okay and we kept on thinking, you know, she'd come back sooner that day, but you know, the checkout takes so long and we have to watch, watch her for so long. And finally by about 10, we thought, you know, 
we're not going to go to church and we're going to go to the hospital because she's not home yet. And I remember um, going and seeing her and having my whole family there all together in the same hospital room. And I just wanted nothing more than to climb on in with Millie into her little hospital bed. And I remember just gathering all my kids there. And I just said, this is the Mother's Day that has changed me. And knowing that and feeling that and having that be sort of a pivotal moment in my mothering, knowing I needed so badly to be there for my kids that I, not at any expense, would I, you know, or any success, would I let this, you know, trade, trade this for anything. And um, in fact, if you even go look at the very beginning of my Instagram, it's like one of the very first pictures. And I think that's kind of when I started the whole Instagram thing and remembered this tender, tender picture of us, you know, in this, in this hospital room, I'll never forget it. And um, from that point, I just am like, I want to be the best mom I can. I want to be there um, 100%. And what had happened with Millie, she'd had these floaties on. This is kind of a cute story. And at the, um, at the party, I'd had those glass bottles of like crush, you know, uh-huh. crush yeah. soda. And with her floaties on and her little three-year-old kind of puffy, pudgy arm, <laughs> she could not drink this crush bottle like it, she couldn't bring it to her mouth and she just asked someone to take off the floaty so she could drink her little crush bottle and and just jumped in the pool without forgetting uh, you know you know remembering yeah. so it just happened so quick and this EMT friend had said you are so lucky he said it, it their lungs can fill up within 28 seconds and he uh, said and just yesterday the same sort of experience did I retrieve a body, a, you know, you know, from the pool and there was nothing we could do. And, and just the reality of that and the, you know, recognition of God rescuing me during this time as well has just been pivotal in my life and really guides and directs a lot of things of, you know, why I do what I do. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is really such a tender, ah, it's such a tender story. And I think that, um, um, we, <laughs> we have so many moms listening that we all feel that <laughs> we all yes. feel that moment, but that is, I think that as moms and especially in business and as we're trying to grow our influence, I think it's the most important thing to just be ready for the spirit. Cause I, cause like you said, the balance isn't there ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. that's okay. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's okay to say that that it's not going to be balanced, but to say, um, I've got to rely on the spirit and the Lord to tell me what, you know, what needs focus. to give. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. And so that's so tender. I would love to know, especially as you're, since you've kind of switched focus to being less on your businesses, as you're going towards multiply goodness, I'd love to talk about that because um, I want to know more of what you do at multiply goodness and mm-hmm. why your focus is there. So I, um, you know, I've always been drawn to just like the love of others, loving others. I'm a people person. I'm um, I, I love being, um, I love, I, you know, actually I will tell you this. I feel like, through going to market and meeting with 
you know, all kinds of people. We have vendor friends and I say vendor friends. These are people that own businesses that were kind of doing what we were doing. And um, we would really get to know them and we would have long days together. You know, sometimes, I mean, you have about two or three days that are busy at market and then you have about a day and a half or two days that aren't busy. And um, they just, it just draws out and um, buyers leave, but you still have to be there, you know, with your booth. And we had beautiful conversations. And um, I also think my, my opportunity to, you know, move away from Utah and um, have an experience outside of Utah and, and just have, um, you know, friends in Arizona that were from other faiths and culturally, I mean, we had, um, some Muslim friends across the street who were incredible people. Um, um, we had, you know, evangelical Christians to one side and then um, Buddhists to the right side of us. And, you know, I just have a love for God's children. And, um, and I think the experiences I've had over time have made me realize how much God loves everyone, like equally. He loves me just as much as he loves my Muslim neighbor. And, um, and so over time, I feel like, um, my heart kind of directed me towards multiply goodness, um, which is really the approach to loving others, loving God. Like, how about, how about we love without an agenda? How about we just love not to convert, but because, um, you know, we love each other. We, we just want to be neighbors and, and love in their own faith, you know, and, um, and so I, I really was drawn to it. And, and so, and, and I've been family friends with Emily. I'm actually great friends with her sister, Sarah, but um, Emily over time, I re- we would just kind of connect from time to time. But um, I remember first kind of getting involved with her and doing what I could from a distance in Arizona. And um, things kind of started to fade, I mean, not fade, but they were kind of not and not non-directional just I think they were trying to figure out what what to do with this Emily had had a prompting to do this Nish and Emily had a beautiful friendship and and an amazing experience um like loving each other where they were you know so um Nish Nish would went through the whole personal progress program she's read the book of Mormon several times um, she's met, you know, met lots of um, our leaders and and things, but yet she doesn't want to be a member of the church. And there's nothing wrong with that. And Emily's likewise has done to, you know, Bible study with um, with Emily or with Nish, and they have connected. They've gone to conferences together, Christian conferences, and things like that. And so I was recognizing this incredible friendship that was being established without the agenda of trying to convert each other. And, um, and I remember also, but not really knowing my role, because here I was in Arizona, and I didn't quite have this friendship that Nish and Emily had, but feeling um, actually prompt, being prompted, I was walking into Target, I'll just tell you this, I was walking into Target, and I had this feeling like I needed to call Emily, and just tell Emily that I still wanted to be involved in Multiply Goodness. And as far as I thought, I was already involved in it. But it just kind of, <laughs> it, it kind of faded. A little and I just wasn't doing as much for them and there hadn't been a lot of communication um, just because we all have our own little projects and things going on so it was just kind of in the background so to speak and I had this feeling I should just call Emily and 
I remember calling Emily and I was like looking for a, like a birthday gift. And I just said, I don't know why I need to call you, but I just feel like I need to call you to tell you that I want to be involved in multiply goodness. And, um, just to let you know, like my heart is here and I'm here for you type thing. And we had a very sweet experience as she conveyed that just minutes before she'd, you know, gotten off her knees and had asked the Lord for people to manifest themselves that needed to be in multiply goodness. And again, another prompting, I'm glad I followed. I'm make, it's making me sound like I follow all these promptings, but these just happen to be, the, <laughs> these just happen to be some that I have followed. But, um, but you know, um, I really attribute my involvement to that experience um, because I think Emily at the time really needed to know I was there and needed, needed the Lord to manifest who could be involved and who could do this. And, um, and so after I moved, gosh, through a series of, of events, we just um, established our team and grew our team. And we're really working to, you know, build relationships, build bridges and love each other, um, you know, love each other for lack of better terms outside the lines. Um, you know, really doesn't matter if they're not the same as you or believe as you do. And, and what are the connecting things on this? And for Christians, obviously it's the Bible and Jesus Christ. And, and it doesn't matter if I'm King James version and someone else is, you know, an entirely different version at all. Um, you know, the, it's all the same. It's the same. What's being taught is the same. And, um, and sometimes I'm getting so much more out of a different sort of, you know, different Bible, um, because of, of the way that it, you know, expresses things. And I, to be honest, I'm not really great with the Bible. I'm not great with the Bible and understanding all of that. And so I'm really using this as an opportunity to grow as I learn from my Christian neighbor, because our Christian neighbors know the Bible and they love the Bible because that is the word to them, you know, and it is to us too. But I think when we have things like the Book of Mormon and other things, you know, we focus so much on read the Book of Mormon every day. But what are we missing out, you know, on in the Bible? And uh, an ex- uh, uh, I heard a quote, and I hope I can pull it up. Let me just, I, it's, uh, it's by um, Orson F. Whitney. And he says, it's like 75 years ago. And he says that, God is using more than one people to do his great and marvelous Mm. work. He says it is too much for the Latter-day Saints to do. And I love this thought. I think we have a problem and I hope this is okay to say, but this is really how I feel. I think oftentimes in the LDS faith, it's easy to consider it's all on us we've got to do this. We are the gatherers. We are from the lineage of Ephraim or whatever, whatever it is, you know, or whatever our lineage is or, but we think it's all on us when really we would be so much better off if we realized that God was using good people everywhere to do his great and marvelous work. And, and I, I work better that way because I don't want the pressure of all of this. And <laughs> I really don't, number one. And number two, I really don't. I, why wouldn't he, when he loves my neighbor as much as he loves me, why wouldn't I do my part to join with them, learn from them, you know, and without an agenda, without an agenda, you know, and, 
And so that I am converted to the idea of multiplying good of um, really extending to those that aren't the same as me. Don't believe exactly as I do, um, you know, those type of things, but have having conversations that are faith filled that grow my, my own faith and then grow, you know, my neighbor's faith in her own faith, you know, and, we just do a lot better as we join together. Don't you think it just feels so yeah. much more like how it's supposed to be. And um, I think, and maybe, maybe I classify, you know, LDS people all being this certain way. I think there's some that do a better job at, at this than others, but I do think that, gosh, we've got to change our, the way we um, view and do life. You know, we mm. can be better neighbors and, why is that the main focus of so many conference talks these days? Love God, love your neighbor, you know, and, and it, it seems so simple, but it's harder when we're different than each other. And so multiply goodness really works to um, streamline this and provide sort of an avenue as to how to connect and create conversation. And, um, and so we're doing that with these, live studies um we do an instagram we have we have we have live studies where people can kind of connect um we do these like four times a year and then we kind of have a summer series they're done in lehigh utah but we have other groups popping up wanting to do this and then people have actual own study groups within their neighborhoods and you know it's usually you know a few lds people and then there will be christians involved too and they it's nice to have something that can be trusted because our guide is a study guide is not just a typical Bible study guide, knowing that there's an LDS, there's LDS, three LDS writers and three Christian writers on our study guides, writing them. I have confidence knowing I can, I can study this, you know, and, and, um, and, and that this could be also what I believe, not just what they believe, you know, so to speak. And really our, we had that, powerful experience when we went to visit with um the general presidencies of the church just this last march just march and um everyone said well what do they want to do with it what do they want to do with multiply goodness and they they don't they 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 just love what we're doing and and um we're we're showing that it can be done and i think that is what was powerful and impactful you know, to be able to recognize that this can be done. And yes, even in Utah, it can be done, you know. <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah. So there's lots of good happening there. And I'm drawn to that because, um, because of really the good that it's doing. Yeah, and I think we're doing, I think we're headed in the right direction as a church, right? I think that we are kind of changing in that way. Um, I know living outside of Utah for the last um, a lot of years. I don't know. It seems like a lot, at least 12. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I have gained such a deep appreciation and I have so many dear, dear friends who aren't members of the church, but we um, pray together. You know, we, when I am going to do something big, they text me and say they're praying for me. And it's mm -hmm. a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And there are so many things that we are similar on, you know, that we just, we do agree on and it doesn't, mm -hmm. even though we're different in some ways, but um, right. I, why I love what Multiply Goodness does is because there are study guides. There's study guides that will, br it, it brings out the similarities instead of 
pointing out the differences because there's just right. so many similar things mm-hmm. that we're doing and believing in. So I love, you know, we could really learn so much from the prophet. I mean, he really takes the lead on this when he met with the Pope and he said simply, you know, our, the, the differences in doctrine are real and they are important, but they're not nearly as important as loving each other. And that should be our theme, the theme for our lives. They're not, their doctrines are important and they're, you know, and it's okay, but it's not as important as loving each other. And I think we let things get in the way of loving each other. And, and really, I think we'll be, we will be, um, I don't know, that's my own personal opinion. We will be judged on whether or not, um, you know, we love what we love. I think. I think we, you know, how we love our, our spouses, our families, our neighbors, you know, and those not of our faith, all, all of that. So I, I love putting focus there right now in my life. Yes, I love it too. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your goodness. You have, I've been watching, like I've watched from afar. I've also watched close up to you (laughs) and I just, I love what you're doing and, um, you are a light. That is how I would describe you on Instagram, um, in person. And I just, I don't, I'm feeling a little bit teary eyed thinking about you (laughs) anyway, just because of how much good you do. Um, so thank you for spending time with us on the podcast. I just know, um, I just, I just feel your goodness and, and I know that my listeners will too. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I think the world of you too. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.